Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. I love that you're here. You're listening in with me. I love it. And you're going to be so glad that you did. Did you know that research has been done where they have followed toddlers into adulthood and studied what set them up for success in all areas of their lives? And the research showed that even more than IQ, it was our kids' emotional awareness and ability to handle feelings that determines their success and happiness in all walks of life. And we all want this for our kids. We want to set them up for success relationally, socially, emotionally. And yet many of us didn't learn how to do that. And so what do we do? Well, in comes my special guest today, Jennifer Miller, and she is the expert. She has 25 years of experience working with adults to help them become more effective with children through social and emotional learning. She is the author of the book, Confident Parents, Confident Kids, Raising Emotional Intelligence in Ourselves and Our Kids from Toddlers to Teenagers. And in this interview, Jennifer shares with us the core skills that our kids need to develop their emotional and social intelligence, how to help them build confidence, how to help them see things from a different perspective, which can be so tricky, we know, with our tweens and teens, and also what you can do to deal with and help your kid learn how to regulate the roller coaster of emotions that they so often can experience. And we're going to talk about lots of other good stuff. So let's dive in. Well, welcome, Jennifer, to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. I'm so excited that with what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks, Cheryl. We have so much to discuss. We've already kind of uh, chewed a little bit. And so I'm really excited about getting into the conversation. Yeah, me too. I know to all our listeners, we've already been talking before we hit record for like 15 or 20, yeah, 20 right. minutes, making <laughs> these connections, which is so much fun. So I want you to, to tell, start by telling um, our listeners how you came to doing what you're doing, because you have a backstory. Will you share that? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, so I uh, have been doing what I am doing broadly, the field of social and emotional learning for a good 25 years. Um, as I mentioned to you, I started uh, out of college in advertising and volunteered for a year in Southern Oklahoma at a uh, Native American boarding home doing dropout prevention programs uh, as an AmeriCorps VISTA volunteer. And uh, it was so enlightening for me to realize that my charge was, was to prevent kids from dropping out of school. And I spent all of my time nourishing their social and emotional development. Uh, it was such a powerful year. And I'm, I'm glad to say that the boarding home is gone. And now there are, the Chickasaw Nation has a health and cultural center in its place. Um, so that, that's, that's a wonderful evolution, but I learned there how important every kid needs social and emotional skill building, uh, throughout their development. And I really, uh, chose to devote my career to that. Um, and for the past 10 years, I've really focused on parenting. So before I was focused on schools and how do we integrate social and emotional skills into schools. And uh, when I became a parent, it became apparent that I really needed to focus on my own home life and learning how to do this important life skill stuff with, with my own son. Uh, and so I really started to work with families and parents. Wow. So you are, when you become a parent, then you're really living it. You're really living it. Right. And I was, I was traveling around the state working with school leaders, teachers, uh, teaching them how to integrate social and emotional skill building into their teaching, into the school building. And I was coming home and I was, uh, you know, breastfeeding my son and, and, uh, thinking to myself, I am going to need to figure this out in my own home with my son right here, uh, how to manage uh, cultivating his social emotional skills. And so I really decided I need to start, start switching to working with parents and families so that I can become confident myself in how I'm, I'm raising my child uh, to be a confident kid. Yeah. I love the connection that you make and everything I've read and listened to. And then you have your book, which I want to talk about, but just how much of, and I want you to define it for our listeners. I think it's important to start there. We think we know what social emotional health is, but I think it's, it's helpful to hear it from, from an expert like you, but how much you talk a lot about how much it starts with us, which is where we're so aligned. Because so often it's like, we're going to focus on our kids and teaching them these skills, but nobody ever taught these skills to us. And so how can we begin to teach our kids when we don't, we don't really know how to do that? So I, let's talk, we're going to talk about that, but start with what social emotional intelligence exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's on the nightly news, right? We hear about social and emotional intelligence, health on a regular basis. Uh, and so I think it's important to define it very simply as uh, kind of deeply coming to know who we are, our strengths, our limitations, to know our heart, what our feelings are, uh, to reflect on our, our thoughts and our choices. So it's developing a relationship with ourselves and figuring out how to develop healthy, sustainable relationships with other people. And that also involves making responsible decisions. So thinking about the consequences of our actions and how they may impact ourselves and others. So the, the five kind of core skills that are a part of that are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and uh, responsible decision-making. Wow. And as you're saying all of those things, I'm thinking, gosh, that's right where tweens and teens are. So much of, I mean, it starts when they're young. But when you think about how you impact others, like the adolescent brain connecting cause and effect, or, you know, yeah, or how do I, how do I fit in? They want to belong so, so much when they're this age, but then you have to be able to also learn to say no to not what, to what's not good for you. And there's, it's a lot. I mean, this is, they're in the thick of it. They are in the thick of it. If you think about they're kind of at the gateway to adulthood and they are redefining their identity for themselves and uh, versus what you told them, who you told them they are, they're now saying, who am I? And they're using lots of cues, including teachers and coaches and peers feedback and pop culture and social media feedback to determine who they're going to be as an emerging adult. And they also have this raised social awareness so they can take others' perspectives and they're not always accurate with that because it's a new thing, right? To see from another's perspective and to figure out what other kids are, are sensing or feeling. Um, and, and so too, they, they become more self-conscious with that raised social awareness. Um, maybe, maybe that look on her face is she's judging me when maybe she's just really having a bad day. So they're beginning to try to interpret, uh, body language, body cues, and, and that definitely contributes to their social anxiety and then relationships, budding romances, um, being, dealing with impulses. And uh, we know, you mentioned the teenage brain, we know, uh, instead of being rigged for risk, that they view things with the lens of reward, teens are interested in what can get them that pleasure reward, which is why we worry about our, our teenagers and how we can help them find healthy risk taking opportunities. And also, you mentioned consequences, how they can develop those higher order thinking skills of when I do this, 
it may have this impact on me and on them today. And what's it going to look like next week? And what's it going to look like a year from now? So those are all parts of teen development that are social and emotional and so critical to support them in their development. Wow. Yeah. And that's why it's like a perfect storm, I think, parenting at this age, where it's all coming together all at once. Even even the I love how you talked about how they're reading facial expressions and they're trying to assess like, oh, what does that mean? And so moms that are on here listening, when you look at your kid a certain way, and I'm sure you've heard this, that they read facial expressions often as anger that the research has shown and they don't like me or my my mom's mad at me where that might be true, uh, you know, maybe 40% of the time that that might be true, but that they're reading that and it's not always accurate. And that's so important, I think, as a parent to know where they are developmentally so we can understand, so we can respond, uh, I don't know, more compassionately, more effectively. How would you say that? Well, I love that responding compassionately, having that understanding that they uh, it's like getting glasses for the first time. They're seeing things in a new way. And you, when you get glasses for the first time, it can be fuzzy and it is an adjustment and you get a little dizzy. And so, you know, our, our teens are really learning that interpretation skill and it is empathy. It is honing their perspective taking skills, their empathy skills, but they need they need reflection with adults who who are more skilled, more practiced at the ability to read facial cues, to read body language and tone of voice to say, oh, I I hear she's angry, but I don't think it's at you. Uh, let's dig in further and find out what's going on with her day, because maybe something else is going on there. That that yeah, that that can be something that is that we can do as parents that can really help our kids. So let's maybe talk about, I'd love to hear what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see parents make? And of course, moms, we're not judging. We're just, we've all do this. And we all (laughs) do this. (laughs) Yeah. What are some of the things that we get, that we do that get in the way of our kids' social and emotional intelligence development? You know, the, the, the tough one, I think, for, for me, for so many uh, parents of teens, is figuring out when to step in and when to step away and allow them the ability to take a risk, to be independent, to show their independence, and potentially to fail and to live with the consequences of failing. Uh, it's it, especially if it's you're gonna witness your your teen in pain, it is extremely difficult as a parent to stand on the sidelines and say, I give you space to be able to do what you need to do. Um, and especially I think in relationships, in relationships with teachers. 
in relationships with friends, in new budding romances. Uh, our, our teens need to learn how to have healthy relationships. And that's something that we as adults struggle with. So we know it requires a lot of practice. And, uh, and our teens are going to get into difficult social dynamics, friendship conflicts. Uh, and so how can we act as coaches instead of fixing and jumping in there or even being a communicator and getting in the middle? How can we stand back and be a coach and ask really good questions well, what do you think she was feeling? Well, what were you feeling? Well, what what could what else could have been going on there? Um, how do you think you could repair harm if harm has been done in the relationship? So asking those questions prompts your teens thinking and also says, hey, I trust you to manage your own relationships. And I know you can figure this out. Gosh, that was so good. I I have my little notes, but I put this one right in front of my face. So I went coaching tweens and teens, moving from telling to asking. And what you said was expresses confidence in their kids' efforts. And I and I was like, ding, ding, ding. Because what you're saying is is if we are rescuing, fixing, offering advice, telling, we're sending the message we're really not very confident in their ability to problem solve and to navigate these things. And, and we're, we're getting in the way of that versus, like you're saying, coaching them by asking the good questions. We're actually showing more confidence in their ability that they have the answers already inside of themselves. It, and correct? My- yeah, no, uh, right on. And I, when I coach parents, I will often say uh, when they're, they're upset about uh, their teen having uh, a really stressful friendship challenge, what I, I let them know is Yes, it's really hard to see your child in pain, but this is such a a wonderful opportunity for you to serve as a coach through helping them work through the problem themselves and resolve it, make it better. When they're in college or beyond outside of your home, you are not going to have that wraparound opportunity to hear at the beginning of the problem and support them through the emotions of working through the problem and then following up and reflecting on how'd you do what you know what did you choose and how did it go and how did they respond and what would you choose next time so we have this this precious time with our teens in our household where we can see them through the whole process of working through difficulties in their social relationships by prompting their good thinking and and supporting them through that process. I love that. I did something so differently. I have a nine, I have three kids, but I have a nine-year gap between my oldest daughter and my youngest. And first of all, 
I don't know what I was thinking, but I think that, you know, on some level I was thinking, oh, it's going to be different than my childhood. And, you know, they're probably not going to get left out or, you know, all those things. I was, I don't know, but it's so normal in, especially in middle school that they have these issues with friends that it's, it's just, there's no way to escape it. But when my daughter got in the car and she was so upset, my oldest, when she went through this, I reacted, which I think we so often can do. I reacted out of my old fear. I, you know, I said, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe she did that. Really? And, you know, I just like fed the beast. I was so upset about this girl. I said, well, was there something you did that caused this, which I'm ashamed to even say I said. And then the next day, everything was okay. But then I learned a lot in those nine years. And so fast, you know, fast forward and my youngest gets in the car, she's crying, same scenario. And I'm like, wow, that must've been hard. How did you feel? And she's like, I was really sad and angry and I couldn't believe and blah, blah, blah. And I said, what did you do? And then she's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how did it go? And she's like, blah, blah. And she talked and talked. Then she was fine. And the next day she gets in the car and she's like, mom, I thought about what we talked about. And I realized it was really mean to my friend. And so she told me she was upset with me because I had said something and we worked it all out. Now we're fine. Wow. You know, so that so she had raised self-awareness from your asking good questions and giving her the space to think about it. Exactly. And that's exactly what you're talking about is by asking those good questions. But I didn't give my, my oldest at that time, the opportunity to work it through. Yeah. Well, we feel so protective of, of our, our teens and it's, it's really difficult to hang back. But if you remind yourself that you're building these invaluable relationship skills that can last them a lifetime, it really helps in reminding, you know, kind of being your inner coach, your own coach uh, of stepping back and saying, hold on, um, she's going to be okay. Uh, How can I take a breath here, take a pause and ask some good questions and and be careful not to judge friends because most of the time we're hearing it secondhand uh, we do know that our our teens can misinterpret, so we don't know the whole story. And in fact, we want our teens to be able to start to to think about the story and see the story from different perspectives. So if we hop in and judge, then we're we're telling one story and we're really limiting or narrowing the focus. Whereas if we we take some breaths, we breathe. We, we do our inner coaching of, okay, step back, mom, hold on. It's going to be okay. Uh, how can I find out more, be curious and, and really listen? Uh, it can really change as, as your perfect example showed, change how our teen learns to deal with those situations in an empowered way, right? That the word that I was thinking as you were all, as you were saying that is it's empowering our kids. Exactly. 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. Rather that rather than I didn't realize it with my oldest one, I also was raising her anxiety, like something she shouldn't be having this struggle or something. Or I think we don't mean to, but oh my gosh, this is happening. And like, what's, what's wrong with you? You know, that you're having this issue, but it really was more about my own anxiety. And, and I think we end up, um, we can pass that to our kids without meaning to. So like you said, taking a pause is so important. It's so true. And, and of course, as caring, loving parents, we have anxiety about our kids. We do. And uh, especially when we feel like they're getting hurt. Uh, so it is, you're not expected to be superhuman. We all need to kind of incorporate that pause, uh, that ability to take a breath and and manage our own anxiety before launching into a conversation that we know is going to get us fearful or worried uh, about the pain that they're going through. Yeah. Thank you for, we just need to remember that over and over and over again. Right. We care about our kids so much that we're going to feel anxious. That's really hard. And I love like having like a little mantra. It's going to be okay. You know? Yeah, that we we need that so much. We do need that, and I, you know, I would build on that. That as parents of teenagers, who whose job it is to push me, pull you, assert their independence, but then need us so badly because their emotions are a roller coaster ride. So often, it is so confusing to us to allow for the independence and then to also feel that, that need uh, for emotional support. And so we have to remind ourselves that it is their job as teenagers and uh, that they're going to be okay in this emotional roller coaster ride. uh, And they'll be better if we work on supporting our own anxiety uh, and, and sometimes our own hurt because it hurts when they push us away, when they want to, you know, when they shut the door on us and go in their room and are unresponsive. uh, It can be painful when in the younger years, we knew we were with them. We were playing with them. We were reading to them. We were engaging with them so much more. And so uh, we do have to nurture our own wounds uh, as parents of teenagers and, and be graceful and delicate with ourselves that, um, that it is, uh, it is an emotional roller coaster ride for us as well. Yeah. Nurture our own wounds. That's so true. It hurts so much. I remember each one of my kids <laughs> through that and it was like, you, you know, going into the room and it would be like, I'd knock on the door. What? Right. And I I would be like, you know, what you doing or something. And they would be, can you please leave my room? And it was like so painful to, you know, and and I remember like, I would just like want to wrestle the phone out of their hand or, (laughs) you know, like what, you know, do you want to control something? Cause you're, you're hurt. Right. So yeah, yeah, really. Mm -hmm. 
good, good stuff for us to remember. So tell us about your book. So you wrote is confident parents, confident kids raising emotional intelligence in ourselves. Yeah, she's holding it up. It's upside down. I think though, if everybody can't see. <laughs> Do you love it? Oh, it would be yeah. nice if I held it right side. I do love it. Well, they had to see it because um, some some are listening on the podcast, others are watching the video, but I love the colors. Ah, I do too. Thank you. Um, I got to do all the illustrations. It was really a dream come true to get to illustrate in addition to write the book. So what a treat that was. Yeah. Did you do all the illustrations yourself? Yes. I've done the illustrations on my blog for a decade. That's you. Uh, but oh yeah. My gosh, they're fabulous. So well, you're an artist. You. Yeah. It, it, on the side, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell by looking at your room that you've got create your creative and uh, artistic. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, so, yeah. And I like the the subtitle too. Uh, from toddlers, you say raising emotional intelligence in ourselves, not just right. in our kids and ourselves from toddlers to teenagers. Yeah. So give us a couple of like, you know, nuggets around your book. Well, it it does have an age by stage guide uh, of children's development from birth through adolescence on particularly their social and emotional development and ways uh, so that we can be aware of what they're working on, what they're learning, and ways in which we can promote it as parents. Uh, And then there are particular uh, pieces on parenting and and the role of parents and how we can uh, look at how we were trained through our own childhood, uh, the parenting we received, and the patterns that arise naturally because of the way we were trained in our own childhood as parents and uh, how we can deal with that. If we want to turn around habits or patterns that we want to change um, and how we can deal with our own social and emotional development, because the truth is we are working on social and emotional skills for a lifetime. Yeah, we don't arrive. I don't like You're that. Right. <laughs> nope. I just thought I'll learn this. And you know, having the membership with these moms and doing all the teaching I do, that's the biggest thing is you know, we don't arrive. We're always on this, we're always on this growth in this growth process. And we're always parents too, even having older kids, these things come up all the time. Yes. And and life changes when they move off and become adults or you become a grandmother and your your relationship with uh, your adult child uh, has to evolve and and change. And that takes a lot of social emotional skill. Yeah. Do you see a common like when you talk about looking at our own baggage as parents? Can you give an example? of what that, you know, maybe from your own life, or I'm kind of putting you on the spot or an example so that that um, the parents listening can maybe make some connections in their own, their own parenting. 
Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it happens all the time. And when you least suspect it, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I think one, this kind of an incident that came up in my life was really what sent me on the track of, of doing this work with parents. Um, when my son was a toddler, uh, he, I, I went into his room one day and said, Ethan, we've got to go to a library story time, put, you know, pick your, your last toy to play with, and then put it away and we're going to go. And he stood up and didn't say a word red in the face, waddled over to me and smacked me, uh, on the legs. I mean, he was a tiny, you know, toddler, one and a half, maybe, um, two, and I remember vividly uh, wanting to run away and cry. And my reaction shocked me because I felt like he was punishing me. Like I felt like he oh. was that, that somehow he was punishing me. Um, and, if I, you know, many of us were, were spanked as children, were, were punished uh, yelled at and, and um, punished as children. And uh, those feelings of being punished came right back in that moment. And I thought, how strange, because I know as, as someone who studies child development, I know toddlers lash out physically because they don't have the words uh, to put their feelings uh, out there. And uh, so I it's something that I expected. And yet I had this overwhelming rush of hurt. And, uh, and then, and then I had the, the feeling on top of that, of you're ridiculous. And then on top of that, I had the feeling of, oh my gosh, what if he's going to be a violent person someday? I mean, you know, we have these, these layers of reaction and, and freak out, right? In those moments. Yeah, I call them the stories we're telling ourselves. Yes. Oh. And we end up catastrophizing. Exactly. We're already, already that he's going to be violent someday. Yeah, I was ready yeah. for him to be in jail when he was 30, at, right? And he's two. So, <laughs> yeah, I so that moment, I mean... I walked away from that confused mm -hmm. at my own feelings. And so I took a journal and I sat down and I took the time to unpack and say, what, what were those stories? What was I feeling? What were the multiple stories? Cause there wasn't just one, there were many. And I realized that that was a seminal moment for me to figure out, okay, I was having feelings from my history from my own childhood that I didn't, in the moment, I didn't make that connection. I wasn't thinking, well, I was punished as a kid and I'm feeling that same feeling. I had to walk away. I had to sit down. I had to really pause and reflect and think about it. And that's true. And what we know of the science of emotions is that emotions are informed by our past. And that includes any part of our past, including our childhoods. But when we're feeling that rush of intensity in our bodies, we don't associate it with that history in the moment. 
And that's why it is so critical that we walk away from that moment and later reflect on what was really going on there. And one key question that I like to coach people in asking is, when was I feeling that exact set of emotions and that level of heat before in my life. And that that really sends you backward into your past, into those stories where those feelings were generated in the first place. And then you can ask about, well, what were the reactions of other people to me? And, and how was I taught in this way? Uh, how were my emotions trained in this way? Uh, And that really makes a huge difference because you can say, all right, now I know what's going to trigger me. If he hits me, I'm going to have the same emotional reaction. So how am I going to be different next time? What can I do to take care of myself? And often when there's a trigger of big emotions like that, you need to take the time to pause, to calm down. Um, we often feel like we have to react immediately to our kids. We don't, we can, we can sit down, we can close our eyes, we can go inside, we can hold our hearts, we can, we can feel our breath, we can take a moment to center ourselves. And we know we're going to react with more emotional intelligence. If we do that, and by the way, When our child, teen watches us do that, we are modeling emotional intelligence in a moment that's difficult for us. I can't imagine a more important lesson for them. Wow. That was so, how you said that, I mean, and that example was so helpful. And it looks different for all of us, but to realize when we're in that when that emotion feels so strong, like that's, I mean, kind of the buzzword now is like triggered, um, that that is really good information that can take me back. Mine was, mine was anger, like when, and, and more like what I saw as defiance, which Mm. I think is, you know, that no. And so when my daughter was a tween and I'm saying, okay, you need to do this. No. Mm. What? Yeah. Right. That could be longer. I could control it a little bit more, you know, but then they start that individual, you know, individuating. And in my family, boy, you did not, you did not say no. Right. And I just had such a strong reaction and it, it really helped to understand myself and like, and the developmental piece of it, like you said, like, okay, at this age, they're trying to develop their own voice and this is necessary. Like this is a bad thing, but I saw it as bad, you know, because of my childhood and, and not, and not having the freedom to even exercise my no. But it sounds like you came away and reflected on it. Like, why am I getting so angry? What about this is making me angry? Uh, Did you come back and respond differently after you reflected on it? Well, (laughs) not at the time. (laughs) It was later. (laughs) Later, you know, and that's, 
through like my own work, you know, but I think that when I first started feeling that, I mean, I think I reflected a little bit, but it's like, I like how you're saying also, what am I going to do differently next time? It's really important to be away from your teen and that way you're thinking about it. Right. And, and plan like what, what's that going to look like the next time? If the irony is in your example, you want your daughter to be faced with her peers offering her drugs and to say, no, you want her to have that sense of agency, that strong will that she's going to be able to say no when she is pressured to do something that she knows is, is not safe or not right. Yet when they say no to you, it is it can be so infuriating. So what do you do with that? Well, you want to promote that sense of agency. Um But the truth is, again, we are not superhuman. We're human. We're going to get angry. So then how do we respond to our anger in ways where we are able to calm down and reflect before we respond impulsively and in ways that we might regret later? Yeah. Well, so what would be something that that a mom could say to not respond in the moment? You know, I, I often coach parents to come up with a phrase and pair it with body language that they repeat every single time so that not only are you using it to train yourself, but you're also training your teen. This is what I'm going to do. Right. So I, one, one mom, um, she agreed with her son that when they were angry at each other, they would say red light. And that was kind of their signal. They, they came up with it together and they would just say red light. And that meant that they're, they're, they were getting really upset and they were going to start to fight and they needed a, a cool down period before they came back together and talked about it. So I like that. I, I just use mom needs five minutes. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's mine. And I, I put my hand out because I put my energy through my hand, you know, when I'm really upset, like mom needs five minutes. Uh, and he knows that's his cue that I really do need five minutes. <laughs> and I, and I that emotional regulation. Right. And, and we have to be able to emotionally start practicing emotionally regulating. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh gosh. So good. Jennifer. Well, we'll have to have you come back on because this is just so, so good. And I, I think such a big part of our, our journey as moms, parents, caregivers, and it's, you know, and helping and to support our kids on this journey as well. Yeah. So anything else that you didn't get it that I didn't ask that maybe you want to share? Well, I would just offer that I have a free tool uh, in follow-up to this called the Family Emotional Safety Plan, and it is uh, just a really quick one-page PDF planning tool where where a parent, uh, ideally a parent would do it first, but then do it with their family, can say, what am I going to say in that moment where uh, I'm really triggered, where I'm really upset? Uh, What am I going to do? Where am I going to go to calm down? 
Uh, how am I going to prepare my family for this so they know my plan ahead of time? When am I going to return after I sit and breathe a while? Uh, when am I going to return and how am I going to return? So it's, it is literally a one page planning sheet. The people that have used it have said that it, it can literally change how you experience heated emotions with your teen. So uh, I'm happy to provide the link to that tool uh, and teens can use it as well. Yeah, I love that. Really, because uh, I looked at it. And so we'll provide that in, all, in the show notes. So repeat it one more time. They can, and tell them their, your site because they can go to that. You have other resources too, even sibling resources for sibling fighting. You can find your book there. So tell them where to find you. Yeah. So it's confidentparentsconfidentkids.org. Okay. And tell the resource again, what's it called? Uh, It's the Family Emotional Safety Plan. And there are many, many free resources, as, as you mentioned, on my site. Okay. Wonderful. And you're on Facebook. You're on Instagram. Yep. I'd say they can find you lots of other podcasts. So super, super. Um, and I love that resource too, because you can use it as a, as a talking tool, even if your teenager is a little resistant, just like going, wow, look at this. Like I'm getting a lot out of this. Like when I'm noticing I'm feeling reactive, here's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. what do you think you might do? And they might, I don't know, but you're including them. You're raising their awareness, even in in talking about the tool. So that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you for your incredible work. It's what a joy to get to know your work and, and support of parents with, with teens and tweens. Yeah. You too, Jennifer. And just to end, I know that you do a lot of um, advocacy Would that be, um, for parents to be able to get social emotional intelligence into their schools. Yeah. That's also on the website. It, it is. And um, a couple great other websites for social and emotional learning in schools would be castle.org, C-A-S-E-L.org. Okay. Uh, and equiparkids.org. Uh, So both of those uh, will have information on how you can advocate for schools to include social and emotional skill building into the curriculum. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And I just want to take a moment and thank you that you're here and remind you that just you being here and listening in says volumes about the kind of parent or educator or caregiver or grandma or grandpa or dad that you are, that you are here. And I also want to thank so many of you for leaving a review. The last several weeks I've been asking 
for you to leave a review so we can get the word out. And I'm hearing from so many of you and you're emailing me and telling me how much you appreciate the podcast. And it's very encouraging. And if you have not left a review and you're enjoying this podcast, if you could take a moment and wherever you listen, but I know I was trying to figure it out on Apple podcast and you go down where those three dots are and there's like three little dots and you hit them and then you can scroll down to the bottom and you can leave a review because I'm like, I don't know how to leave a review and you might be just like me. So that's how I know how you do it on Apple podcast. And I would just, it would just mean so much to me because I want to get the word out to too many people that are in the lives of tweens and teens and just need those encouraging words and those nuggets of wisdom that uh, we share here. So thank you so much for being here today and have a great week and I will see you back here next time.